Hello there, my friends. It is still October 6th, and um, I'm doing two podcast episodes in one day here. Um, feeling pretty creative, feeling pretty called to talking about things. I had a lot of dreams last night, um, and I'm not going to go into those, but I just, I do think that it is part of the overall, uh, energy that I'm experiencing right now, the creativity that came through in the dreams, the ideas that came through in the shower and just sort of the space that I'm feeling in right now. I listened, uh, well, okay. So I went to La Jolla for my somatic experiencing appointment and then realize that it's tomorrow. <laughs> I put it in on the wrong day on my calendar. And there's a, a past me would have beat myself up for it and been like, oh my gosh, what an idiot. How did you do that? Why can't you get things right? Look, even when you try to be organized, you still fuck up. You still make mistakes. You really should be more careful. Um, and I didn't. I had like a little moment of, how did I do that? Like, okay, yeah, yep, see it right here in text. It says Wednesday. Guess I put it on the wrong day. Oh, well, it's really nice here in La Jolla. And I guess there's a reason that I grabbed my journal and my tarot cards and my pen um, and my coffee. <laughs> because now I can go to the beach and I can do my morning journaling that I didn't do after the shower in between leaving for my appointment because I decided that following the impulse to share my thoughts from the shower was more, um, I don't want to say important, but it's what I needed to do. Um, so it was like, cool. Now I get to journal at the beach and there's parking cause it's a Tuesday morning. Fantastic. So I got myself some coffee and one of my favorite um, keto cookies from Parakeet Cafe. And I went to the Cove and pulled out my journal um, and my tarot cards. So this is something that uh, someone who's been listening to the podcast actually asked me about. And I had thought about sharing, but it's a, it's a new practice for me. Um, this alchemical journaling that I'm doing, which is something that I'm learning through Carolyn Elliott. I am a member of her uh, group Wealth, and that's like a community, um, I don't know if I would call it like a coaching community, community um, basically for growth um, and, and, uh, I don't even know how to properly describe what I joined, I suppose. I didn't join because I wanted to get rich. Like, that's what I think, like, you know, I would interpret when I hear wealth. Um, but it's really, I'm interested in the way that um, the shadow is explored and the way it's the alchemy behind it the alchemy, the taking of what we are and, and transforming into something else. Transformation is really been at the heart of my life experience for the last year and a half, especially. 
I find that alchemy in the in for me is grief. Grief invites the opportunity to alchemize experience, and I'm very much grieving right now, and have been grieving, and um, feel like this these things that I've lost recently. You know, my my image of health and image of the future, and literally my organs, um, my father, my relationship to my father, everything I hope that could be, um, also leaves me open to recognizing so many other parts of myself where I feel empty and I haven't grieved properly. And I know that in those spaces, there's space for creation. So anyway, a little, little off topic there. Um, bringing that back to this alchemical journal, um, part of it, I'll just give like a little rundown. Um, you can listen to an episode of, um, Carolyn's podcast where she talks about this too. Um, but it's a dream recall and then it's, um, pulling a tarot card. She recommends the Thoth tarot, um, which is one that I'm getting to know. I had the Rider wait. Um, and never really, didn't really use it a lot. Um, so anyway, and then I have a book that she recommends, um, by Lon Milo Duquette, um, that helps understand and explain it. And that book is deep and there's so much, so much richness to this deck there's so much controversy over this deck because it's associated with Aleister Crowley, um, who I don't know much about, but he was a little out there. Um, I find that intriguing. Um, and it, it, it relates to astrology and, um, uh, Kabbalistic, um, tarot and all this stuff that I don't really quite understand yet. <laughs> so anyway, there's pulling of cards and, um, I had, I started with pulling just a card for myself, asking the, the universe to, um, reveal to me what the day holds. Um, and really, I think in that, in, in the specific alchemical journaling, um, we're meant to ask Hermes Trismegistus, uh, and I'm still learning what that really means. Um, and, and I've started also now pulling one for myself and for the collective. Um, and so we do that and then we note the astrology for the day and then, um, sort of like a to-do list, but broken down into teeny tiny actions to take, which is really useful and something that I've learned outside of this alchemical journaling, um, because it, uh, through, through David Allen and also through a make shit happen coach that I had. Um, and Carolyn actually says she gets this from David Allen's work too. Um, so that's the morning part. And that's what I was doing this morning. Now there was a question that was asked of what my relationship to the occult is. And I don't really know yet. I'm developing it through, through this journaling, through this program. And I think I've always had 
a relationship to it that I didn't understand and that the things that I've encountered, been encountering in my life along the way through people, through my education, even with um, being a Chinese studies major, like I mentioned before, um, has guided me towards this like spiritual mystical path and so then like in the last few years tarot has come into my life and oracle cards and other sorts of divination and things and I don't even know really what like quote I'm doing air quotes here like the occult all of that means like what what fits in and what doesn't is astrology part of the occult is we consider some of these like shamanic practices part of it is it only like this type of magic um alchemy um i don't know so uh, i'm i'm learning is the very short answer there and then I'm going to share a little bit about my process and what I'm learning and how I really think that um, curiosity is so such an important part of this Uh, I mentioned in the last episode that I am also reading um, The Inner Sky and Stephen Forrester mentions that that it's about asking the right questions and it's it's about getting curious about the path um so this morning I had my journal I had my tarot cards I was I shuffled the deck and I was sitting with it and I had had this thought come up before of um uh control and influence and sitting with the cards and like breathing getting ready to getting ready to ask wanting to be calm and one like flew out (laughs) and I was like okay I was like is that my card do I do I like accept it just because it's there just because this is what's showing up do I want to choose it I could choose to put it back do I want to frame it as this is meant to be did I, do I want to see it as, oh, it's meant to be, I'll take it, or maybe that, um, I, I choose it, uh, and I framed it as I I choose it, uh, and that was my card, um, and then I chose another for the collective, and then I realized I didn't have my book, so I didn't know what, well, my first thought was, oh, I don't have my book. Like, what do these mean? And I was like, oh, this is my, like, I can just figure it out myself. Like, I can look at this. I had already been thinking about really what the power of Oracle cards is, what the power of the tarot is. Is it that someone else has defined what it means? kind of I mentioned this I think about the stars too the stars aren't defining what we are I'm not a Scorpio who's doomed to be this you know passionate fiery bitchy person um I can see that that is a personality trait 
that I might have. I can get curious about how that shows up and I can choose it if I want to. I can, I don't have to accept that that's just the card that life dealt me, you know? Um, and then I can interpret it. This also brought up a question that I had seen someone ask in our group, like, I don't, I don't have the, the tarot book yet. Like, how do I know what these mean? Is there a good place to go and find out? And there were all kinds of, um, suggestions and that's all great because there are people who have studied this there are people who, who have learned through their own ways and there are significant images in it that do have meaning and are symbolic. And that's another thing is that like, I I have it within me just as much as anyone has it within them to tap into what what we connect to symbolically, like through collective conscious or whatever, to look at these cards and interpret it in our own way. And so that's what I was trying to say is that that I believe is the power of Oracle cards and tarot in this journaling process. Um, so I'm going to share with, with you what I drew, um, what jumped out at me and then what I chose to pick up for my card is the emperor. And my first thought was, wow, that's a lot of fire. That is a lot of intensity. It's this emperor sitting with one leg crossed and his arms kind of, um, one hand holding a rod with uh, the Aries ram on top of it, another hand appearing to hold, like, it looks to me like a bomb. Um, and, uh, and then, like, two on the side. I don't know what they are. Um, well, I'm just going to read my description of it, actually. So instead of, I'm um, like, looking at the card and doing it all over. So here's what I wrote. Um, the emperor jumped out amidst thoughts of control and influence. I chose it. Um, I don't have the Duquette book. I don't need a guide to begin to understand. Curiosity can be my guide, plus what experience I hold within, plus collective conscious. The card is red, orange, yellow, fire. Aries rams on either side. The first fire sign, cardinal fire sign, feels like a fight for life and there's bees on his jacket I think um, maybe they're meant to be pollinators of life it looks like two atoms beside him nuclear question mark feels generative on the shield beside him a phoenix rising from the ashes question mark why on a shield question mark a lamb with a red f a lamb with a flag at the bottom right of the card Maybe he protects the innocent, but holds a bomb carefully in his left hand with a rod with a ram head and the other with his head turned to the side so he's not aggressive. The sun is big and brilliant behind him. He's powerful. He's creative, full of possibility, both protective and transformative, two-sided, sometimes misunderstood, possibly slightly immature, um, but also gentle. So that was my interpretation of it. And it feels very, I'm an Aries rising. Um, so 
Um, I kind of related it to myself in some ways. I also tend to date Aries. My partner is an Aries. Um, and so there was meaning in it for, for me. Um, and then, so I'm going to read a little bit from the book. Oh, and, um, no, I did not note that on here. Okay. So I'm going to read a little bit from the book. Um, the emperor represents the sign of Aries, where Mars rules and soul is exalted. The sign, Crowley points out, is thus a combination of energy in its most material form with the idea of authority. Um, the emperor is the third of the alchemical trumps and represents sulfur. I didn't know that. Um, his arms form the triangle and his legs form the cross of the glyph of sulfur, which Crowley tells us is the male fiery energy of the universe. Uh, this is the swift creative energy, the initiative of all being. And that generative force is what, that's what I meant when I said that, is that like, this is like this creative force is what, what I'm seeing, like this power to... I don't know, bring into being. Um, upon his shield is the red eagle, not a phoenix, that identifies him with what the alchemists call the red, the red tincture. And the red tincture is symbolic of the fiery action in nature of the sun and gold, just as the white eagle on the empress's shield identifies her with the white tincture, symbolic of the action in nature of the moon and silver. The great alchemical recipe dictates that we must first find the white tincture, then the red tincture, then unite them to accomplish the great work. And the great work is this life's work, life development, growth path that the cards embody. Um, and uh, so the Duquette continues to say, this, of course, suggests that the empress and the emperor enjoy a much more intimate relationship than what we expect of government officials. We will see them get very cozy in um, the art card. So I didn't I, I didn't get things as they are were intended, perhaps as the, this as Duquette has identified them as both or Crowley intended them, you know, it was not a Phoenix. It's a red Eagle. I didn't know about the tincture. Um, and I didn't think because I didn't know, and I haven't studied the deck and I don't know this lens of things. I didn't think about how it related to the other cards, but I, I mean, I did know that this was all about this, uh, great work sort of a hero's journey like this development so uh reading that I was like oh yeah it's um it reminds me too that we're not alone the emperor needs the empress and and then all the other cards all these other things like there's a relationship so that was fun to discover and seeing how much I saw that was also there and, and how, how much it's still, 
how good it felt to be curious and and the excitement of trying to figure this out myself um, rather than going to a book. Like it felt different than it has on other mornings. Um, and I enjoyed it. So I will probably bring that into my practice of um, really trying to figure out the card first with what I know in me, which speaks to um, uh, the fool card that I drew yesterday, that I've got it all. It's all in here. And that was something that came up in uh, the Slackline workshop I did recently, too. Just that feeling of, oh, it's in here. And it is. I believe that. And there's value in in learning from other sources. Um, so then the collective card that I drew is the Hermit. Oh, and this one I looked at and I was like, ooh, there's some darkness here. Um, so I'm going to read what I wrote on that. So the Hermit. This is the ninth card um so there's a vague being covering its face holds on to a small glowing stone refracting light unevenly over the card it's chased by a three-headed dog cerberus uh guarding the underworld maybe representing shadow looks to be in the thick of it of grass or maybe wheat that's sprouting um whatever it is it's making and growing something useful um there's a coiled snake around an egg is this the orphic egg that i've read about um and then there is a like what looked like an orb topped wand or something because it's bent and weird at the lower left um and this being is draped in a red cloak there's a symbol at the bottom that indicates uh, Mercury, and I don't know what the other symbol is. Um, so I, the meaning I wrote out was that um, there's this being that's weighed down and chased by experience of hardship or negativity, holding on to some light and perspective, finding inward resources in falsely perceived loneliness. There's energy and rebirth waiting to be hatched, surrounded by life, which also feels like the muck. Um, and this is an early cycle of muck uh, wisdom is coming but it's hard to see with such a narrow perspective um, and I have felt very hermity lately and in the collective I feel like we're really in the muck <laughs> so it seems appropriate um, so Duquette says here um by now you're probably tired of hearing me talk about the special virtues inherent in the element earth and the hermit is uh the zodiacal trump of virgo mercury rules it and um uh so yeah he says you're probably sick of hearing me talk about the element of earth uh, you probably think you've heard enough about how humble earth is, how humble earth is uniquely connected to spirit and how it helps regenerate the highest high because of the simple fact that it is the lowest low. Well, get ready to hear some more because we are not through yet. 
As a matter of fact, in the pages that follow, you are going to get some pretty big doses of this doctrinal medicine that Crowley calls the climax of descent into matter. Why is it so important for you to keep taking this medicine? First of all, because it will help you understand the living nature of tarot. More important, however, because you are the grand climax of the descent into matter. And this, to me, was like a, whoa, that's kind of what I was talking about in my podcast earlier, about we are, like, we're dying as soon as we're born. To me, it's the, um, how the highest high and the lowest low, and it's just the same, and it's, it's all... I'm making hand movements that are weird now. It's all the same. It's all like feeding itself. Um, so what else? I have a bunch of stuff underlined here. A little disorganized. Um, so he continues to say, I've tried to organize the material of this book so that by the time you read about the last card of the tarot, the Ten of Discs, you will be armed with enough occult knowledge to comprehend the great magic that takes place here. It is a process that Crowley calls the mode of fulfillment of the great work. I'm sure you wouldn't do this, but if you were to turn to the back of the book and read what I have written about the Ten of Discs, you would learn, albeit prematurely, that the three cosmic players that are responsible for creating that mode of fulfillment of the great work are Earth, Mercury, and the Sun. That shouldn't surprise you, really. After all, Earth is that special lowest of the low element you're getting so tired of hearing about. Tarot is the province of Thoth Mercury, and the Sun is the secret seed of universal life that we knew was going to be so important since we first saw it radiating from in front of the fool's groin. Earth, Mercury, and the Sun have their first important strategy meeting in the Hermit. Just look at how Earth, Mercury, and the Sun come together in the Hermit. He represents the zodiac sign of Virgo. Virgo is the mutable sign of Earth. Virgo is ruled by Mercury, and Mercury is exalted in Virgo. The Hermit carries a lamp of the Sun, which he gives his light to the world. It's as simple as that. Um, and then that symbol I didn't know is the Hebrew alphabet symbol of Yod. Um... And it symbolizes the mystery of sperm, the hidden seed, and a central secret of fertilization. Um, and, then, and then the hermit is staring at that Orphic egg. And um, there's more to be said on that. Uh, he stands in the fertile field of wheat, the heavy-headed shaft suggestive of sperm, and he carries the lamp of the sun, he is dogged by Cerberus, the three-headed guardian of the gates of the underworld, um, which I recognized from um, mythology in, like, junior high. I loved mythology. Um, so there again, like, my relationship to the occult was, was, has been there. It's just not been nurtured. Um, so Cerberus, three-headed guardian of the gates of the underworld, whom Hermes, Mercury, tamed with honey cakes during his mission to rescue Persephone from Hades. And I was just reading something about Persephone. 
oh, it was a, no, I was listening, a Joe Rogan podcast with this guy who wrote this book that connects like psychedelics and religion, a guy who has never done any drugs in his life, um, did like 15 years worth of research about the role of psychedelics and religions and civilizations. And it's really interesting. I'm not quite finished with it yet because it's a two and a half hour episode, but I'll probably finish it today. Um, so anyway, back, back to the card, I keep jumping around. Um, that's what you get in these raw podcasts. Um, yeah. So that thing that I thought was like a bent rod, it's actually meant to represent sperm and there's like a union. So this is about, um, uh, something coming, something to waiting to be hatched, waiting to be birthed. Um, just there's this darkness that comes before it. Um, and let me see if there's anything else that I found interesting to, mm, no, just what I said. Um, that thing that happens to look like a sperm cell, um, Oh, it's a homunculus image, um, first drawn in 1694 by Nicholas Harstoker, a noted advocate of the long discredited theory of reproduction called the principle of spermist preformation. If you look closely at the head of the homunculus, you will see a large-headed baby curled in the fetal position. While this concept is based upon biologically inaccurate science, it expresses the more universal and magically correct doctrine of correspondence, as above, so below. Um, and then he has a he mentions you may find it rewarding to study the hermit Trump in conjunction with the devil. And there's that reminder again that like these are all connected. Um, and that's something I look forward to learning more about as I explore the meaning here, the meaning that I, I get to make of it and I get to make of it. I, I can learn from these books. I can learn from other people. I can learn from people who have studied it and taken their experience, but I will always have my unique experience of it because I come with a unique set of experiences. Um, and just before I decided to sit down and record this, I listened to a Starling creative, um, episode and it was so good all about stories and, um, myth making and our own personal myths and the importance of the stories that, we are exposed to and the importance of those dark stories and the scary stories. And that's something that's coming up right now with Halloween around the corner. And as we're moving into fall and, um, what that means for, um, like the evolution of life, fall is moving into darkness. Um, and that relates to astrology, which, um, I had like this mind bending moment um, reading the Stephen Forrester book when he said it's not about the stars. It's not about the planets in the sky. It's about the light. It's about the light and what the light is doing. Whew. Yeah. So anyway, um, there was some more that came up for me that I want to eventually 
talk about, um, but I want to keep this episode not terribly long, and I've already went on for a half an hour, so I am going to go ahead and table that and um, just leave it at that. So that's my that's my little story about having fun exploring my own meaning making of these tarot cards. This is a little snapshot into my developing relationship with um, the occult and um, a little peek into the alchemical journaling. And I will say a couple more things about that. Um, so I, I mentioned, I know my dreams, I know uh, I, some tarot cards and um, the astrology. And, and then there's an evening practice of going back and seeing what rhymed in the day. Um, you know, maybe it's between the dreams and the cards and the astrology. And since I'm really just like learning these things sometimes, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And then today it's like, whoa, I'm seeing a bigger thread come through. I'm also noticing that uh, I'm remembering my dreams more clearly. I'm getting into a practice of recording them and and seeing it come together is really exciting and fun. And I find that I'm enjoying this more than I have enjoyed like straight up morning pages um, because there's something to relate to. And I, I like, I like that. I like having conversations, something to relate to. I like being in community to have something to relate to. And I also am very much like, I like my alone time. I like to just sit and talk and, and say what I need to say without having to have someone there to, um, play off of. Um, but I'm finding a lot of value in these tools um, and in the structure of of journaling for right now. That might change in the future. My method of uh, journaling, I may decide to make changes to it to make it my own, but for right now, I'm, I'm following this structure and it is, I'm seeing what what is there for me in it. So... That's that. Thank you for listening. And I hope that um, you have a, a magical day. I would love to hear um, from you about um, any relationship you might have to the occult, any other questions you might have. Um, and it, do you have some kind of practice like this where you pull cards, maybe not tarot cards, but other oracle cards like I have a few other decks um the hero's journey oracle is one that I really like and having some understanding of um the actual tarot now I'm I uh I want to see how that um mm, relates to um because uh, like I said all these systems seem to really be guiding us towards um much of the same thing um, at least I feel that way for tarot and astrology. And I think in my last podcast, I kind of lumped religion in there. And in thinking about it, um, religion is something that I feel, oh gosh, I don't want to get into this, but I'm going to mention it really quickly. Religion, I feel, places so much on the outside for the most part in the way that like religion as we see it really appearing in its um 
bigness in the world. I do think that there are some, there are certainly people within religions and some churches and other, you know, religious practices that are Christianity based that aren't advocating for a complete outsourcing of power to these people that they're following in these stories as that the word rather than um, inviting curiosity into their interpretation. Um, but it's, I, I feel like that's why religion is dangerous. So I am not, I feel like there is some separation between it. And I'm curious how um, Judaism and Kabbalah and because there's so much Hebrew in here related to the tarot falls into that um, while also being very like to me like big religion so anyone who knows stuff about that I want to talk to you let's have a conversation (laughs) all right for reals talk to you later